But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Lord God, as we open your word, we desire to hear from you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would impress upon each of us the truth of these words, the hope in these words. We pray that we could believe and that in believing that we would have life in your name, O precious Lord Jesus. Amen. 
Well, happy Lord's Day to all of you. It is the second Sunday of the great 50 days of the Easter season. Easter is still going and will be going until we celebrate the Ascension and then the season of Pentecost. We have these great 50 days in order to consider the question of what it means to live in a world where the dead are raised. That is such an unexpected thing. Even as Christians, we can get used to it, but we shouldn't get used to it. We live in a world where God has intervened and he has raised his son to new life. That is what it means to live in light of Easter. The great churchman of the last century, Leslie Newbegin, whom people like us who are Anglicans and church planters and think about things like mission, uh, Leslie Newbegin is a great hero. Late in his life, he gave an interview and he was asked this question, are you an optimist or a pessimist? Now, before I give you his answer to that question, I wonder how you might answer that question right now. Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Have the circumstances of the last few weeks of what we have experienced in terms of this virus, in terms of working at home, being at home, being with our families, has that made you more of an optimist or more of a pessimist? Uh, certainly, the tribe of pessimists, of which I count myself part of, has plenty to feast on and to increase our pessimism. But even optimists are finding silver linings everywhere. And I'm wondering how you would answer that question. Are you an optimist or a pessimist? When he was asked that question, Leslie Newbegin answered this way. I am neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Christ is risen from the dead. I love that answer because he rejects the premise of the question. He says, I'm not going to tell you whether I'm an optimist or pessimist because I live by the reality that Christ is risen from the dead. That statement is a statement of, from someone who is living in light of the resurrection. And notice the way he phrased it. Christ is risen from the dead. The resurrection is not simply something that happened, not simply something that we look back to, though it is that. It is a reality even now. When we gather together in worship and when we celebrate the Eucharist part of our liturgy is we say that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Christ is even now the raised, the resurrected, the living Lord. And we live in this time between his resurrection and his coming again. We live in the time of resurrection. We live in the aftermath of resurrection. And with that thought in mind, I want to simply share a few thoughts from our readings. With the question in mind, what does it mean to live in the aftermath of the resurrection, that Christ is risen from the dead? In the reading from John chapter 20, we have the immediate aftermath of the resurrection, the very day when Jesus rose from the dead, and he goes to his disciples who are still in fear. They still don't understand what God has done. They still don't understand what it means that the tomb is empty. And Jesus stands in their midst and he says, peace. That word of peace that he speaks to you even now is so important. It's a state of psychological peace, yes, but it is so much more than that as well. That when Jesus says, peace be with you, 
he is saying that as a victorious king. He's saying that standing in the midst of his disciples, saying, I have won a great battle and there is peace because I have defeated Satan, sin, and death. Peace be with you. It also means that Jesus has declared an end to the war. He's not coming back from the dead for a revenge story, as we might imagine in the kinds of movies that we like to watch. Jesus is not out for blood. He's not going to go get those Romans who put him on a cross. He's not going to go after the leaders that conspired with the Romans to crucify him. Nor is he standing in the midst of his disciples to tell them, I told you so. I told you this was going to happen. No, he speaks the word of peace. The definitive battle against Satan's sin and death has been fought and has been won. And Jesus is the victor. And his resurrection is a vindication that he has won the battle. And not only that, not only is he the victor, but he is a king, a victor who shares the spoils that he has of victory. So when he breathes the Holy Spirit on his disciples, in the picture of what is to come on Pentecost, when the Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh, the Spirit is the spoils of his great victory. He is sharing with his people as their great king. He's sharing with them what he has won in his great victory and he fills them with his life and that life that he shares with them is the life of the spirit the holy spirit is the spoils of god's great victory in christ and through the spirit we receive peace the scriptures talk about peace that passes all understanding man do we need that now and that is peace that the holy spirit brings The scriptures talk about gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. As God's people, he gives us gifts to build each other up, to encourage each other as the body of Christ. Man, do we need that now. We need each other's gifts to build each other up. And the Holy Spirit is in us and working through us to bring his fruit, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, and so on. And man, do we need that fruit right now whatever circumstances you find yourselves in we need the fruit of the spirit so let me encourage you on this second sunday of easter that jesus has won the great victory he has declared his peace and he has given us the spoils of his victory in the form of his holy spirit and when he says to his disciples he says to us he says as my father has sent me so i am sending you that all of this points to mission All of this points to the fact that we have good news to tell, that the final battle, the definitive battle with our great enemy death has been won, and we share in the spoils of that victory. And with all of that in mind, I want to briefly look at Peter's great sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter, on that great day when God poured out his spirit on all flesh, stands up with boldness, with authority, with godly confidence, and he begins to preach. This is the first truly Christian sermon. This is a sermon preached in light of the aftermath of the resurrection. Excuse me, clear my throat there. And Peter does exactly what Jesus said that they were to do. He is sent into the world to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the victory. And what he does is he stands up and he says, This Christ whom you put to death, he is 
truly alive. And the fact that he is truly alive proves that he is who he says he was. And not only that, that he is the fulfillment of all of Israel's hopes and expectations. And the way that Peter does that is so important to us. And it's something I want to encourage you with over these next days is that Peter is able to proclaim that truth on the basis of Israel's scriptures. That he goes back to Psalm 16 where David talks about the servant of the Lord not seeing corruption. The servant of the Lord being raised from the pit. And Peter says, well, of course, David died. So David was speaking prophetically about someone else. And because of the resurrection, because there is life that comes out of death, we can say with confidence that Jesus is the one of whom David was speaking in that psalm. In the time between the resurrection and the ascension, the Gospel of Luke in the beginning of Acts tells us that one of the things that Jesus did was open the scriptures to his followers. That he gave them a way of thinking about the scriptures and understanding the scriptures and reading the scriptures in light of him, in light of his death, in light of his burial, in light of his resurrection. On that road to Emmaus, he opened his disciples the law, the prophets, the writings, which would include the Psalms, and he taught them to go back and read that story in light of him. Friends, I would encourage you in this time to spend more time in God's Word and to read it in light of who Jesus is as the victorious one who has conquered Satan, sin, and death. And I would encourage you to pray for the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now, our mission field may just look like the boundaries of our home the people who are there with our families, or if we're on our own, the people that we are able to reach out to. But even though life has shrunk a little bit for the time being, it doesn't mean that we can't bear the life and resurrection in the world right now. It doesn't mean that we can't bear the Spirit's fruit. It doesn't mean that we can't practice His gifts. So I simply want to close with a prayer where each of us will ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, to breathe on us, to give us his peace, to give us his gifts, to bear his fruit in our life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we are people who live in the aftermath of the resurrection. We thank you that you have shared your spoils of victory with us in the form of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your life-giving spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, Paul tells us, lives in us. So Holy Spirit, we pray that we would not neither be optimists nor pessimists, but those who proclaim the resurrection. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us the peace that passes understanding. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bear your fruit in our lives. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us discernment on how to exercise our gifts even in these restricted circumstances. We ask all this in the name of the risen and victorious Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.